On today's episode, we've got two top sellers from Australia who will talk about their unique strategies that have helped them crush it selling on Amazon USA. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I'm your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the Amazon world. We've got a couple serious sellers from the other side of the world, from Australia. How's it going, mates? How's it going? Hey, Bradley. How are you, mate? <laughs> G'day, Bradley. I'm doing pretty good. We got Michael and Jamie. I didn't even introduce them, but... uh Michael and Jamie, uh, they run one of the, the the most active Facebook groups I know for Amazon sellers, mainly for the, for the uh, Australian sellers who are, uh, a lot of them are selling here in the US called Endgame. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but I was on, you know, how I met you guys was I was actually, uh, did a live video with you. I think it was originally scheduled for like two in the morning, but then you guys were kind to me and you let me do it around 11 PM <laughs> my time. But I was just shocked. I was like, this is a small group, like 2000 people. There's like 400 people are live watching this, you know, like, uh, out of 2000. So that, that was my first experience with you guys, but I really don't know much about your Amazon journey or your Amazon experience other than you run this Facebook group. So what I like to start the episodes off is before we even get to that, I'd like to just know about, you know, where you guys, you know, come from originally. So Michael, let's just start with you. Like, uh, I'm assuming you were born and raised there in Australia. Yes, that's correct. Born and raised in Sydney, Australia, in the uh, eastern suburbs, so a couple of beaches down from Bondi Beach. Okay, so now what, you know, growing up, 10-year-old, 9-year-old, whatever, what did you think you were going to be when you grew up? You know, sometimes we Americans, you know, our, our, our impression is that, oh, they must all be, you know, crocodile hunters or, or, or something <laughs> like that, but what were you, what was your career aspirations as, as a young chap back then? Well, um, my three brothers were professional athletes, and they played a game in Australia called Rugby League. So as a nine-year-old, nice. um, my goal was to become a rugby league player, and, and I did play rugby league. But then um, in my early teens, I discovered golf and um, played a lot of golf, and I was sort of at a at a stage where I was contemplating turning professional, but it never happened. But um, yeah, so growing up, golf and rugby league were my two two sort of dreams. I love it. Wanting to be a professional athlete, you know that that's what children should. Uh, have as a, as a wild dream. You know, I think, you know, sometimes I have people on here on the show and, and I said, what did you th want to be do when you were 10 years old? Oh, I wanted to be an accountant. I'm like, what, what kind of 10 year old wants to be an accountant, uh, but a rugby player? I like it. What, what about you, uh, Jamie? Yeah, for me, it was, um, it was an interesting, uh, childhood, uh, had a good childhood. Everything was cool and, and kosher and had a really good, uh, upbringing. And, uh, I guess for me leaving school, um, I always had that entrepreneurial spirit and, uh, you know, I'll, it was a very early age. I think it was 22 when I had my first, um, I was a truck driver. So I had my first truck with a company subcontracting. Um, was that what you wanted to be though? Or like, what, or, or you, you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Like, cause yeah. you know, there are some kids, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old, they're, they're trading, uh, baseball cards or, 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 or flipping popsicles, you know, like from an early age and you're like, okay, that person definitely has the entrepreneurial, but what well, about you? I think I had the bug because I, I, ha I had, um, multiple employees. We had a couple of trucks. Like I was always looking to hustle to get more trucks, more trucks and build a bit of a fleet. Mm -hmm. So I had that sort of business building now in me probably not 
towards online and e-com and all that at that point, of course. But um, about 24 years old, we, my wife, Rebecca, and I, we had four kids under four. So, um, Goodness gracious, yeah, you didn't um, mess around. Uh, actually, 24, I had my first child, sorry. But by 27, we had four kids under four. Okay. Sorry, sorry, yeah. So, yeah. Okay, I was about to yeah, say, yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah, no, Like we had um, my daughter when I was 24. Then I was 25, had my son. And then we, we were just like happy with two kids. And then at 27 year old, 27 years old, Beck fell pregnant with twins. So um, it was hectic. Um, four kids under four. So, so before the truck, though, then, then did you, I mean, upon graduating, I'm not sure what you guys call it there, but, you know, we call it high school over here. But uh, did you go into university or, or did you go directly kind of just like no. uh, directly to the truck? Yeah, then? look, I, I, I lived in a country town and, you know, um, little bit stereotypical we sort of left the country town to go work at the meatworks um in the country town it was a little bit you know a little bit backwards there for all us guys there was there was a few people that went on to university but it was like oh you finish school and then you go work at the meatworks and you get good money there and you catch up with your friends on the weekend and all that sort of thing and then next thing um i had an opportunity to buy a um a truck in a concrete plant so i had concrete trucks i had three at once at one point um and yeah, then the GFC hit for us, and I pivoted towards um, the chemical industry and bought um, a semi trailer with a chemical company down here, and that was a really good job. And um, but a lot of hours, like I was doing fourteen hours a day mm-hmm. driving, as a lot of truck drivers do. Um, and Australia is a big, big country, so there's a lot of land to cover. Um, so your hours are big. But from there, I basically um, started looking at you know how we could trade my my time for money to you know um to doing something different is when we started in about 2016 17 coming across the the amazon model so that's how that all began okay so hold hold on there so i imagine um i imagine that even before you got to the e-commerce just being able to to run your own business and from where you grew up you know that that was kind of like a pretty pretty good like uh, not everybody who came from your your area was able to you know become an entrepreneur like that i would assume that you were maybe on the upper echelon of yeah of people who came out of your town okay switching back to michael real quick we fast forwarded too much with jamie here he was hogging all the spotlight <laughs> but uh but 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 michael what about you upon you know graduating high school you said you know no you know you you didn't make it into the professional athletics so what did you do did you start working uh, straight away like like jamie or or did you attend university or uh, yeah so i didn't attend university at all um I just got straight back into the workforce and um, basically just started different businesses. Um, started a, a real estate um, buying business, um, and I was in real estate for a number of years and launched a couple of startups within within that industry. Um, and then that just progressed from business to business. So I was fortunate to grow up, um, you know, seeing a father that was you know very entrepreneurial. He had a huge business. Okay. Um, had over one hundred and ten employees and I could just see what he was doing where he was working and then leveraging what he was making and putting it into certain investments to make Mm -hmm. money while he slept so I always I think I had that in my DNA and basically my mindset was that you know whatever I'm doing I want to be solving problems which I think is pretty important to be an entrepreneur and everything I did was all about solving problems and then I got into the tech startup world and did some cool things in the US. So yeah, it was um yeah, basically just um starting businesses, trying to disrupt markets and um yeah, help people basically by solving problems. 
I love it. And this is part of the reason why I ask you know, uh, people this question when they come on. And sometimes I just have solo guests. I mean, usually it's just solo guests. But here we have two people who definitely ended up in the same world. I mean, you guys are are, are kind of partners now in, in some things that you do. And you came from what it seems like completely different backgrounds. You know, one, you know, maybe grew up around near, you know, near Sydney and 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 his you know father had a big uh, business. And then the other was growing up in, you know, perhaps uh, the middle of nowhere yeah, yeah. <laughs> in Australia <Yeah. laughs> where not a lot of people make it out, you know, to, to the big town. And, and somehow you both had, you know, from an earlier age, you know, that, that entrepreneurial bug and it brought you into e-commerce. So, mm. so l- let's go back, uh, now to Jamie then. So y- you started to talk about it before I, I cut you off there to yeah, no, that's turn right. it back to Michael, but, but how did you get into e-commerce there in 2016? I, I believe you said. So, you know, I was doing a lot of hours in the truck and the kids were young and I wasn't spending much time with the family. They'd be going on vacations and trips and I wouldn't wouldn't be there because it was running our own business and you just had to do the hours. And, you know, I'd get photos of my wife and kids on the beach and I wasn't there. You know, it was it was it was heartbreaking that I was missing those times while they were growing up. And I and I remember my wife looking around and me looking around for just different ideas to leverage time. And um we came across the Amazon model. Um, we did a course. Uh, we learned how to do it um, through some events here in Australia. We met a another gentleman um, who ended up becoming our business partner in our Amazon business, um, and we 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 launched the brand early days. My wife and I, before meeting our business partner, which was you know just a learning curve. We sold some stuff in homewares that you know really didn't do too well. Um, it was a great learning experience and we and and we we got a lot out of that um at the same time we're launching another brand with our business partner and we'd sort of been around the sun before now and we we knew what was going to take to work and and we had a bit of a bit bit more of an idea so then we launched the brand in the beauty space and um yeah it just took off um the first year this is an amazon usa amazon usa from australia all, all in amazon usa um took off first year did some really cool numbers last year, did seven figures. Um, yeah, this year we had a little bit of drama with COVID and stock and like everyone's, I guess, been battling all year. It's it's a common thread through everyone this year that they've been down a little bit. So, But we're still in the game. We're, we're still kicking goals and, and next year's looking really ominous. And um, yeah, that was the intro into Amazon, I guess, that um, – yeah, that was pretty much it. How, how about you, Michael? Was was it similar that you know? Uh, did you have a family at the time? You wanted to, to see something that you uh, allowed you to spend more time uh, with them, or or was it just a complete different pathway to Amazon? Yeah, slightly different. I mean, I've got three three daughters, and um, I suppose I was fortunate where I had a lot of time just with the things that I was doing, where I could spend a lot of time with my daughters and whatnot. But um, how I got into e-com, I, I remember I was on a business trip in in LA and I was staying at a hotel in Beverly Hills and and this thought came to me and I said there's got to be a better way to earn passive income and then and then um I was just doing some research on the internet and I came across e-commerce and in in like specifically drop shipping so to cut a long story short I actually was a drop shipper I was drop shipping um products out of China into the US via Google shopping um, and I grew that up to about 700 SKUs, um, which was which was really fun. It was it was very educational, um, much harder than Amazon. So it was like I've served my apprenticeship with with e-commerce via dropshipping. And then I discovered Amazon, and that was just something that really appealed to me because I love the branding side of things, the brand ownership, and 
and all that and owning the whole journey as opposed to drop shipping being you know you're mm-hmm. using software to automate things and and stuff's getting sent to suppliers in china and they ship it to you know someone in minnesota i loved owning and putting my dna and my fingerprints all over the journey and um yeah um did a did a course and 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 via obviously the the australian amazon community met jamie him and i really connected and um yeah so i've got a i've got a brand we've got um four products we've got our fifth product uh, finishing production tomorrow i believe and um yeah we're doing really well covid um didn't really affect our niche we did we did really well the only thing that <laughs> happened was that we ran out of stock which is obviously a no-no but um yeah that that's yeah. that's my journey into the e-commerce world and in particular amazon and um yeah we haven't looked back so did you have a full year last year in private label space on Amazon or or did you just start last year? Um, so I've been in e-com since probably, I think it was early 2018 and I got into Amazon with a test product early last year and then our main products and brands started probably middle of last year. So I've been 12 months um, with our current brand, which is doing um, really well. So we're, we're really happy with how it's tracking and stuff. So only four products total, you said, right? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And I got a fifth one finishing production in the one brand. And so what is your, uh, uh, you know, maybe estimated gross sales by the end of the year this year? Um, would you say? Well, because we ran out of stock, it was a bit of a bit of a, a nightmare because um, obviously production took a lot longer, but um, we were doing, mm-hmm. we were doing, we only one product at the time because we've just launched another two products. We were doing around 30K US a month um, in a pretty re- okay, relatively- just with, just with one product? Just with one product, yes. That's, that's correct. Nice. So it was just relatively- um, with one product, it was it was it was pretty decent. So we've got our goals in terms of what we want to make per product. So we're we're well and truly on track. Track, in fact, we're exceeding um, where we want to be. So that would be like you know maybe a goal is like each of your products for or uh, to half a million dollars uh, per product f- uh, for a year for gross. That's sales. correct. So the way the way me and my partner, my girlfriend, is <clears throat> obviously started this brand. We look at if we earn $15,333 per product and we have five products, that's a million dollars turnover a year. So it's 83333 yeah. roughly per month, which is a million dollars gross. So if we aim for it- And the, what's your target profit margins after considering your overhead and PPC Ma- and things Michael's like that? Michael's got ridiculous profit margins. Yeah, so <laughs> we're, we're pretty fortunate that we've got plenty of margin. Our target- um, margins around 30%. So based on our, I suppose, forecasts or goals, um, you know, 330,000-odd um, dollars of profit US, obviously. And then if you think about an exit mm-hmm. in, a, in a couple of years, we probably want to do maybe one or two more Q4s and really embed the brand. Um, yeah, we, we can obviously potentially do a, pr- a pretty decent um, exit. All right, quick break now for my BTS. Remember that? Stands for whatever you want to. Bradley's 30 seconds, behind the scenes, beautiful, terrific strategies, whatever you want it to be, but here it is. This one is gonna be about how to get indexed for keywords that you don't even have in your listing. Now, you might be wondering, well, why would you wanna be indexed for a keyword that's not in your listing? Wouldn't you just put it in your listing? Well, there's sometimes there's keywords out there that might be forbidden keywords on Amazon, but still have a lot of search volume, such as CBD-related keywords. And, and I gave this uh, tip in a blog I wrote a while back, but what I did was I didn't wanna put CBD in the in the, in the the listing because I would get suspended. So I took the top selling products 
for those keywords and I made sure that their top phrases that didn't have CBD, I put throughout my listing in hopes that Amazon would relate my product to theirs. And then when I did an automatic campaign, sure enough, as soon as I launched, Amazon started showing me for those CBD related keywords. And then once I got some conversions in PPC for those keywords, Amazon indexed it for me, even though I didn't have those keywords in my listing. Now, Jamie, I know you started, you know, a few years ago and, and things change on Amazon, but because of your community, you, you are talking to hundreds of Australians who, who are launching even this year in the United States. Can you briefly go over what's the process? You know, because somebody in Australia, you know, might be reluctant, you know, they, they know that they want to sell it in the USA because that's where maybe the money is. But like, wait a minute, you know, I'm not an American citizen. Do I need to have a bank account? Do I need to make an, a, a corporation? You know, what documents is Amazon going to ask me for, et cetera, et cetera. So can you pre, uh, briefly go over with what you know, as far as this year, you know, the most up-to-date information you have, what is the in general process that it would take an Australian citizen to start selling in America? Yeah, no worries. Look, there's a lot of nuances like you know, but generally speaking, um, Australian citizens, the best thing to do is open a proprietary limited company here in Australia. Um, and that is totally fine for Amazon in the US. Um, the utility bills and all your addresses, you have to make sure they match up. So company name, banking details, addresses, utility bills must be all the same. Um, for your registered business addresses here in, in Australia. Um, it's a little bit different, I guess, for banking for us because you guys are in the US, so we need virtual accounts and, and you know, FX accounts. So, you know, there's a number of different service providers out there, um, you know, that people can have a look at. Um, we need those in Australia to be paid into US dollars. If you get paid, there, there are US accounts with the banks here in Australia, but Amazon pay you from the bank of origin. So if you've got a US account with an Australian bank, because it's an Australian bank, you'll get paid in AU dollars, AUD dollars, um, Aussie dollars. And the the exchange rate from Amazon to Aussie dollars is, is pretty terrible. So it's best to have, and everyone does, it's best practice to have virtual accounts and um, and 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 make sure that all your all your utility bills and all your registration paperwork all match up. As long as it all marries up, addresses and everything like that, it's fine. Um, that's generally so. Then, as a as a entity, you you could do it as an individual, as an Australian individual. You don't have to set up like an American corporation for it. That's correct, but it's probably not advised to do it as an individual. You probably should set up a business okay. like your LLC. We're called a proprietary mm -hmm. limited. Um, so it's best to set up a business here and to keep all that separate for tax purposes here in Australia, um, collecting um, and paying GST on goods and services that you use for your business and also profits and registering with the Australian government with all your um, taxation um, and all your accountants and stuff like that. There's a few accountants that are now in Australia that are pretty aware about this Amazon e-com thing and they're all over it and, and there's, a, there's a few good ones out there that can help people um, in the industry now in Australia, helping with that transition from US side to AUD. But it's it's quite straightforward. People maybe put a little bit too much emphasis on how difficult it'd be, but it, it's really not. If you just line up all your ducks and make sure everything matches, we've, we've seen people that have absolutely no problems at all. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Now, Michael, I, I know, you know, uh, most of your community and you guys yourselves, you are mainly selling in the US, but Amazon Australia has grown a little bit, I would assume, you know, a little bit slower than, than maybe some people expected. 
what do you know of, of anybody who's doing really well though in Amazon Australia? Like is somebody who's absolutely crushing it? I mean, what, what does that mean? Does that mean that they're making or, or they're grossing a hundred thousand a year or something? Cause you know, and when you say, oh man, th this person's a upper echelon here for the United States, you know, they're making maybe, you know, a million or $2 million, but what are, what's the most that somebody's doing a year in Amazon Australia that you know of, Michael? Um, look, Amazon Australia is, is very, it's very, very early stage. It's, it's very young. Mm -hmm. it's, it, I wouldn't say it's a very mature market. Now, I don't sell in Australia, but we do have some students that do. And I'm led to believe that the data that's available for selling on, on Amazon in Australia is nowhere near as sophisticated as selling in the US. So there, there are, I suppose, certain um, guesses you need to make when entering the market. Um, but as far as I'm aware, we do know some people that are doing, um, you know, quite well, but they're not doing that level. Now, Jamie, you were selling in um, Australia at some stage last year. Do you want to maybe yeah. potentially add to that? Yeah. Look, I think, Brad, the people that we see selling in Australia compared to the US would be probably on an average 10%. So whatever you're doing in the US, probably 10% of that is, okay. is potentially coming from or being made up from Australia. Um, like Michael said, the market is just so new. There's only there's two fulfillment centers now. There's one in Perth, so that's three. One getting built in Brisbane, so there's four fulfillment centers um, in Australia. Very, very far apart when you think about one side of Australia to the other. Um, yeah. But like um, Amazon is, it, they don't come here to play games, as we all know, um, the, the beast that they are. Um, to give you a bit of an idea of the landscape here, eBay has been the stronghold of e-com sales in Australia for a long, long time. eBay is the go-to platform. If you want to buy something in Australia, you jump on eBay. That's starting to change. People are jumping onto Amazon um, and we're starting to see maybe it equal out and maybe potentially same listings on eBay on Amazon. But the fact of the matter is there's just not enough sellers here yet. Um, and when you look for range and like if you're looking to compare um, apples to apples, there's just not a lot to choose. Um, a lot of it's coming from America on the listings too. Um, mm -hmm. So people still tend to... Are, are there some categories that maybe you would suggest not or looking into? Like for example, you know, when, when we're thinking about doing things in other in other countries, you obviously have to always take into mind the, the current, you know, e-commerce state or, or the culture or different things. And, and some products that are really amazing in the USA might not be great at all for Germany and, and vice versa. Yeah. But but uh, is there a one category that maybe you, like if somebody's doing well in the US, you suggest they, they look into? I think the other angle to look at it, Bradley, is it's so easy to rank here. And if you've got a really mm -hmm. good product that solves an awesome problem with a great offer and you're from another country and you want to sell in Australia, PPC's next to nothing. You know, you probably don't even need mm -hmm. PPC. To start ranking on all your keywords is very easy. There's not many competitors. So if you've got something that's half decent and um, you've got a great offer, like it, it is a market where you can control a little niche or a part of a niche because it's so new. Mm -hmm. And because we're shifting into that area where it is becoming more popular, people that have got accounts in Australia and with decent products are poised to strike and, they, and they'll do well. They'll, they really will do well. Okay. Good, good thing to know. Uh, let's go back to Michael now. Your success has come from, from four main products. Did you have to discontinue any products or these are the four products that, that you started off with? 
yeah, these are the four products I started off with. So I did do a test product um, early last year um, just to, I suppose, sink my teeth into the process and, and understand it more and then did a lot of research, um, found a particular niche that I felt as though, um, you know, I saw the niche. I think everybody in the niche missed exactly what the customers needed. So I walked in mm-hmm. and provided what they needed and then the rest is history. How, how did you determine that? Looking at reviews or just your own knowledge? Uh, or what? A bit of everything, reviews, my own knowledge. Um, I suppose, um, you know, part of my background, I'm a little bit of an expert in this niche. So I could I, I could walk in with that under my belt, which no one else can do. I was kind of expecting, you know, the success we had because we were ticking a lot of boxes. And obviously, you know, when dealing with e-commerce buyers, it's very psychological. And to get that credit card swipe, it's, um, you know, all about ticking boxes in their minds. And I think we've done a pretty good job of that. And, and one, one thing I can add to that, Michael, is we talk about the USP3 knockout punch. We, we do that a fair bit. So yep. the unique selling proposition and having three knockout punches, we try to make sure that we've got three knockout punches from a list of things that we call unique selling proposition. It could be where it's made, the origin, bundling, um, the offer, the price, um, your listing, your photos, your story. There's probably about 20 things that I haven't thought of that's in our list of USP and we try and make sure there's three punches from that list with every product that we bring to market. Now, Jamie, going back to you, since you're the one who's doing the beauty and and I'm I'm assuming being a a cement truck driver background does not make you an expert in, in the beauty niche. So then how does somebody go into a niche then without that knowledge like that Michael has about his niche? Like how do you, you know, kind of, take away that advantage that somebody else might have and, and, and offer the same kind of insights when you didn't have, you know, much of a base as far as what the heck the, the product yeah, was. Yeah, look, a, a lot of it came down to um, in the early days, it was my wife and also I've got two teenage daughters. So um, it was, it was definitely, um, there was definitely people around that were, that were involved in beauty in our family, having two teenage daughters and, and, and my wife as well. But basically we did the same thing. We looked at some serious, it was probably a little bit different to Michael. We're sort of opposites. He went into a, like a really cool under the radar niche and dominated where we went into a really highly competitive area and saw an opportunity for some USP, took a gamble. Um, it paid off. Um, we added things to products that we knew were going to solve problems for our avatar, for our customer. Um, and because of the size of the niche and, 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 and the depth of how many opportunities there were with keywords, we found our spot in there. Um, price point mm-hmm. was good. Um, we've got 14 SKUs in our brand. Um, yeah, it's it's doing really well. But the testing and it was very Instagrammable. We did a lot of social. We've done a lot of social. You know, Michael's products are totally opposite. Like I said, you just wouldn't put them on Instagram. Um, ours is mm-hmm. a very, you know, beauty niche you can imagine. You know, young girls and middle-aged women, you know, love that sort of stuff. So, there's so many nuances. How, yeah. how do you take advantage of that? I mean, just because something is Instagrammable doesn't mean that it's going to be, you know, on, on Instagram. So are, are you talking about like working with influencers or, or building your own social media or? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, building our own social media, working with influencers, running promotions, um, bringing in external traffic. Um, that's worked like really well for us. Have you used Amazon attribution at all to, to measure any of that? 
we did early days, but it was too it was too up and down. We couldn't get enough correct data. I don't know if it's any better now, but mm-hmm. at, in the beginning when it was in beta, it was not giving us accurate data. I don't know if that's changed now. So then, what was your in general, you, uh, you know, social media strategy? Like, like, is it different tiers? Like, okay, first for this brand, we're going to create our own page and, and try and attract visitors and, and maybe promote our products every now and then. All right, now stage two, you know, let let's try and sponsor some some influencers who we think have a a following that is relevant to our niche. Or, or what was your basic strategy as far as that goes? That's that's exactly what it was. So um, my wife was very good, um, and she works. Uh, pretty hard on our Instagram account um, and she would reach out to influencers at all different times of the year and and just get some people with some decent following um, but more importantly high engagement um, so the influencers that we reached out to we could see from their engagement that they weren't just you know fake followers or this and that and we'd reach out to them offer them product they do videos they do reviews for us they do unboxing and we get massive sales days and massive sales spikes from all that sort of stuff. And then we'd offer promotions on our pages and all sorts of stuff. Um, and we've been doing that for a year and a half now. And you can really tell with without even attribution when we're running a promotion for, mm-hmm. I don't know, four or five days, the sales go through the roof. But you can't always ask, 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 ask. You know what I mean? You've got you to give a bit. So we'll have yeah. you know a week or two where we're just giving content and, and doing some cool stuff and then put a promotion on. And you can definitely see you know, the after effect of that from sales. Okay, excellent. M- Michael, what about you? Uh, you, Your product, uh, as Jamie said, uh, is not very Instagrammable. So what is your method in, in, in initial launch and then maybe getting some buzz uh, around your product? Yeah, well, that, with our original product, we obviously did a, a search find buy launch and try mm-hmm. to rank on specific keywords and using many chat and stuff. Um, but then with the the... The next couple of products, we actually shied away from that. We had a um, obviously an email list that we reached out to people and said, "Hey, we're, we're launching our second product," and people people bought the the, the product and, and gave us some reviews. So really, we did a really simple launch. It wasn't any bells and whistles. Um, primarily, I, I suppose, um, you know, we would just wanted to be careful with the whole many chat and search find buy launch strategy. Um, there was lots of different things in the in the Amazon world that. Um, you know, Amazon are cracking down on that type of thing. So just a pretty simple launch. I, I suppose if you've got a great product that solves a problem, there's demand for it and you can weave your story in it and you're a bit of an expert, I, I think things sell themselves and we're, we're really happy with how these um, new products have been tracking in terms of their launch. So, yeah. Okay, cool. What's... um. We're, we're going to, in a little bit, we'll get into your 30 second tips. So you start thinking about that, but, uh, what is some strategy maybe that you can give, uh, doesn't have to be confined to 30 seconds, but maybe that you've never even shared in the, in the end game network, like something either, either Michael or Jamie, something that's applicable to anybody. They don't have to be from Australia, but somebody selling an Amazon USA, you know, some ninja tactic, not, not necessarily a hack, you know, we, we don't, we don't promote any of those here, but, but just something that is a, a simple one. Like you've already given a couple of those, like the, the gas thing and then the, the, P3 or whatever, I think that the knockout punch thing, those are interesting. <laughs> What's something else though that maybe even your end game network uh, hasn't, uh, hasn't, you haven't shared with them? Oh, look, things that we talk about, in, we, we've, we've got a, a small private group of students, uh, Bradley, that we deal with. And um, one of the, the most important things that our students have got with, through the program with us over the last seven months um, working with them is 
and and this and we can tie this back to Amazon as well, but it's definitely mm-hmm. the minds the mindset stuff. We've okay. got we've got um, you know best selling author um, in mindset in as part of our team in our coaching. We've got a gold medalist from Australia who jumps on bi monthly to um, to talk to the guys about in, inspiring them and and what it takes to win gold. Now this this particular gold medalist, she was a, a, a I think she was a silver or a third. I think she got third in Atlanta and then in Sydney 2000, waited another four years till she had an opportunity to get gold. Like that is a huge toll on your mindset. And Amazon can be tough like that, very, very tough. And I think if you can start winning the emotional battle, I know it's cliche, but it's so true. We've seen it time and time again that if you can start winning the emotional battle in this business, you see it over and over again. The people who have got the strongest mindset can weave through any problems especially 2020 it's been so challenging because every time you come up against a challenge and this is a little bit of a tip from a friend of ours every time you come up with a challenge against amazon you're suspended or you've got this or you've got that and it's a tough tough situation to go into you know that if you fight through that you lose 10 competitors because you know 10 people aren't going to do what you're doing yeah and mental toughness is huge so um i know that that's not really amazon based but it so is do you know what i mean no no uh, that that's what that's the kind of stuff i want to hear because you know a lot of the the other tactics and i'm not saying uh you know amazon tactics are invaluable they're they're important but that's the whole reason why i talk about also the people's journey you know when they were eight ten years old and high school and skipping college it's like hey it's that has nothing to do with amazon itself but it's sometimes uh the decisions one makes in life in your mindset that's sometimes what is a better, you know, a better litmus test as far as if you're going to be successful or not, as opposed to, you know, what's my search find by, you know, strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, we've seen that time and time again. I think, Mick, you can probably elaborate on it because, you know, this is your strong point too. Yeah, and it's funny because when you said, well, what's the tip, my, my mind instantly went to the mindset and it's something that Jamie and I often do. We, we often think about the same things, which is quite funny. But what I will add, obviously, mindset's huge. Um, but I think that Amazon is a decision-based business, and the success of your Amazon business comes down to the decisions you make. And the main decision you make is product selection. Mm-hmm. So, and I and I've alluded to it before. What has everyone missed in the niche that customers need? That sentence for me describes opportunity. And if you can find a niche where everyone's missed something, but you know the customers need it, that's huge. And that's a big decision. And once you make that decision, everything else is execution. Get, get great photographs, write a great listing, do great bullet points, ship your products from China. All that type of stuff is just execution that can be outsourced. But if you can exercise that part of the business in product selection, that is where the game is won and lost, in my opinion. Nice. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Now, these are all some great strategies, and and you know whether whether they're life hacks or Amazon hacks, whatever you want to you know call them. It's very important that someone has a balance of, of them all. But we have a thing that we do on every single show that called the the TST thirty second tip. So we're gonna have you know two for the price of one. So Jamie, something that you've haven't mentioned today, but you can say in thirty seconds or less. That's actionable, uh, valuable. It can be Amazon related, could be mindset related, up to you. Micro optimization of your business. Look at every facet from 
you know, master cartons to palletization, products on pallets, pallets in containers, loose master cartons in containers. I, I think the shipping process, the the cogs, price of goods from suppliers. Um, we had a guest on during the week, um, Gabby Leibovich, who built Catch of the Day here in Australia. You might have heard of Catch of the Day. It's a huge, huge business. Said that the great sellers make their money when they buy the products, not when they sell the product. And I think mm. that's huge. Um, people leave so much money on the table through the through the supply chain method. I like it. All right, Mike, what about you? What's your for us? People go out there and explore the 3D rendering world. Um, I My products um, are probably products that you would think couldn't be 3D rendered. But with technology out there and different software programs, anything can be 3D rendered. You can add light source angle on a white background. You can do amazing things. And invariably, if you get a good 3D renderer, you can create a hero image that will be better than any photographer will be able to take in real time. So 3D renderers, I think, are very, very valuable in terms of getting that hero shot perfect. Excellent. Excellent. All right. You guys have been giving us some great tactics now. I'm sure maybe some people are inspired to find out more about what you guys teach. So can you talk a little bit briefly, just who is your like course and Facebook group for? Like, is it mainly just for ones in Australia and then uh, how they can uh, find you guys uh, on the interwebs? Yeah, no worries. Um, so we're, we're the end game network. Um, we were, um, Honored enough to, uh, win Sellapol this year. Um, the, the yearly awards that, um, you know, Salopol holds. It was a, a bit of an honor to win that. So if anyone's interested, we won the the best Facebook group uh, in the Amazon space this year, which is just a fantastic honor for us, like I said. So just go to Endgame Network and join the community. Um, everyone's welcome in there. It's not just for Aussie sellers. You know, there's a few people around the around the globe now getting in there. It's just an awesome community. And we also have um, a 12-month program that we work with students called Endgame Access. Um, it's a once-a-year intake that we do um, every April. Um, so, yeah, um, that's that's for anyone starting um, all the way through to experienced sellers. We, we help everybody with the team that we've got that, to help through that 12-month course. Excellent, excellent. All right, guys. Well, I'd love to reach out to you maybe end of uh, 2021 and, and see how see how you guys were able to scale your business and hopefully when the world gets back to normal in 2021 and, <laughs> and just uh, touch bases with you again. But, but thanks, uh, thanks for coming on here and I'll need to maybe make a return trip to, to go uh, talk to that amazing group of people you got there in the end game network.